0: Hi, I'm Elaine Meyer, editor of Daily Word magazine. Always remember that Christmas
1: is more than a date on a calendar. It's a feeling we carry in our hearts all year long. On behalf of the editorial team, blessings to you and yours this holiday season. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually, consciously living today. Here's your host, Charya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host and producer of the show, and today our topic is yoga as transformation. The many practices of yoga hold the power to transform us not only physically, but mentally and spiritually as well. I'm so delighted to be joined today by Anastasia Shevchenko, all the way from Berlin, Germany. Anastasia is a well-known yoga teacher in Berlin. She has been practicing for 15 years, overcoming physical injuries and spinal problems using yoga techniques. She also teaches yoga as a way to understand our emotional reactions and mental patterns that prevent us from building constructive relationships and living the life we want. Her current project is creating and planning the Berlin Yoga Conference, which is scheduled for next May, May of 2019, bringing together internationally well-known yoga teachers. And she has two websites I'd like to let you know about. One, her personal website is... Uh, a-n-a-s-h-e yoga.com that's the first three letters of her first name and last name so a-n-a-s-h-e yoga.com and the berlinyogaconference.org website so again berlinyogaconference.org welcome Anastasia I'm delighted you could join me today on the yoga hour
2: thank you so much for the invitation I'm also delighted to join you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So before we begin our dialogue about yoga's transformation, let's start with a moment of practicing what we're about to discuss, a moment of meditation, a yoga moment.
0: Oh.
1: So let's begin right where we are, wherever we are, whether we're standing, walking, sitting, just being aware of our body in space, being aware of whatever supports our body, the ground beneath our feet, perhaps the chair that we're sitting on, and just allowing ourselves to be present here and now. And turning our attention to our breath, Just noticing as we inhale and exhale, not trying to change the rhythm of our breathing, but just noticing its natural flow. On the inhale, noticing the cool air in the nostrils. And on the exhale, noticing the warm air flowing out. And as we're aware of our breathing, feeling that with every in-breath, we can dive within. And with every out-breath, we can relax. As we dive within, into our hearts, feeling the essence of our being that resides there, This essence of our being, this one reality known by many names, is within us, between us, and all around us. It's the source and substance of everything, of all that is. Just by being present now and noticing, we can rest in this essence of our being. And as we rest there, we may notice thoughts or feelings as they arise. And we realize we can watch them, watch them as they arise and watch them as they pass away resting in this essence of our being, resting in our essential nature, beyond words and thoughts, beyond all change, beyond sensation, pure existence being And as we rest there, we feel the peace that emanates from this essence of our being and allow it to pervade the mental field, the emotional nature, and the physical body. We abide in this peace and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere oh So once again, Anastasia, welcome to the Yoga Hour. As I said, I'm so delighted to have you on the show. So here in the U.S., Hatha yoga practice has become really common. And yoga studios are really located across the country, even in some uh, smaller towns. As Hatha yoga has become more widespread and popular, people are starting to realize that the practice of yoga extends far beyond just the physical postures or asana. So I'm very curious about what's happening with yoga in in Germany. You have been teaching yoga for quite a few years. So let's start with how did you become interested in yoga?
2: So I've been living in Germany for the past six years and definitely I would love to share my experiences about the yoga scene here in Germany. But my personal yoga journey started actually back in Canada when I was 15. So one year after I was diagnosed with scoliosis, which is like a S-like curvature in the spine, um, I came to Canada and my dad told me, okay, so you're going to have chronic pain from now on. And to help you manage the pain, I suggest you do some yoga. And so on his advice, I started doing yoga in the morning and in the evening just to kind of manage the pain and the discomfort of the physical body but meanwhile he had this library in his home about different yoga and just esoteric books i would call them and i was really fascinated by this aspect of yoga so i kind of had to do the physical part because of the scoliosis but what really hooked me was the actually the more philosophical esoteric and more spiritual part of it from The beginning.
1: Hmm. That's really what a lovely way to enter. So already with, you know, an awareness that there was a lot more to yoga than just the physical postures. So what is the yoga scene like in Berlin? Is Hatha yoga practice very common there?
2: I guess when you use the word hatha, you mean uh, hatha yoga in general as the yoga practice of the physical body. Yes. Because there is also hatha yoga as uh, as a method, this hatha yoga. Uh, and right. uh, yes, the physical practice of yoga is very popular in Berlin and Germany and <laughs> in, all over the world, actually. And uh, what's happening these days uh, that is really exciting is that um, it's becoming accepted by more and more different fractions of society and it's really making its way into the common mainstream and into the culture. so besides being offered in the environments of wellness and health related um, kind of circumstances like fitness and yoga studios it's um, it's being offered surprisingly or <laughs> I don't know I guess it's just the natural progression in schools in some kitas, so daily care for small kids offer yoga programs. Uh, there is uh, now um, acceptance of the yoga program for prevention and some of the medical insurances cover yoga classes and I see the tendency towards more and more yoga and there are many different methods of course and I would say that each city or I- each country is kind of Attracted to a certain method in the beginning based on its roots. So, when yoga was not so popular, there were just a couple of people who came and brought it to the city, to the country, and it started with a certain tradition. And of course, later on, it exploded into all kinds of methods and styles. So, this tradition that is really popular here that kind of started the whole movement was definitely um, the Shivananda tradition. Right, and there is a very big community in a town in Germany with an ashram uh, that um, has this yoga center. They call it Yoga Vidya, but really it is a Shivananda tradition uh, lineage. And in Berlin, a very strong tradition of Anusara yoga is present, and as well as Jiramukti yoga, so that style from New York. And for the past five years, I'm very happy to see that there are other traditions and and methods that make their way into the city and there are things like Dharma Yoga. Of course, there's lots of Vinyasa Yoga, so just a flowy type of dynamic. And Ashtanga is quite big here as well. So there is definitely an expansion of different styles. And I think every teacher starts to teach yoga differently based on their own circumstances, backgrounds, and understanding. And you see more and more fusions. So yoga with some other discipline coming from the moving arts or even something that is not directly related, like yoga and music. (laughs) Oh, that's great. It
1: sounds, sounds very lively.
2: It certainly is, yes. There's all big cosmopolitan cities, there are many different interesting ideas being passed around.
1: Yes, yeah. Well, no, that's great. I especially uh, was interested to hear about yoga in the, in the schools for little children and also uh, that health insurance pays for it. That's, that's, that's wonderful. I, I hope we get to that point here because <laughs> that's not happening here yet. So so you are organizing the Berlin Yoga Conference that will happen next May, May 24th to 26th, 2019. So would you tell us more about what inspired you to put this conference together?
2: Mm, lots of things, but I guess to, to make it more simple, you kind of have to create the founding story, so to say, and the story goes something along these lines. I was um, about to turn 30, and I was pregnant with my second child, uh, my daughter, and I just felt like, okay, <laughs> now that I have two kids, I really have to do something uh, I really have to find a way to, to offer something to my community and um, there is no more time to waste, so to say, because as, as you can imagine, having two kids is a big uh, responsibility and it takes a lot of uh, life energy and time. And, and I really wanted to do something that is connected to my passion and to my work, which is yoga, and to find a good way to combine my family uh, with my work. Mm -hmm. So that was um, the idea behind the Berlin yoga conference. I wanted to create this event uh, that happens annually. So hopefully uh, every year here in Berlin and attracts people from all over the world. And uh, the setup for it is that I can work during the day and during the night I can spend time with my family. That was the idea.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's great. And I I wish you all the success. So today we're talking about yoga's transformation, the power of yoga to physically, emotionally and spiritually transform our lives. So um, how has yoga been transformative in your own life?
2: <laughs> so it's it's this beautiful process that never stops. Mm-hmm. And I would say that it's definitely not linear, it's more like a spiral. You you feel like you you make a circle but you move slightly upwards in your understanding and it's it it's quite a exciting process i'm i'm just so grateful for for this system for making its way to us here in invest in in this time and it's just so beneficial and and this is one of the major inspirations for me in my daily life to share it with others so based on my own experience it's definitely a transformative practice on many levels. And usually we start from the most basic level, which is our body, the physical level. Uh, we start practicing yoga because maybe we want to become more healthy, um, because we want to be more fit, maybe we're, we're ill, maybe we want to prevent, prevent sickness. Mm. Yeah, I would say that most of the people get into yoga for the, for the physical aspect of it. Mm-hmm. and then as we become more strong and more flexible something happens also to our mental life to our psychological life and what yoga basically does is that it it creates more awareness a lot of self awareness and also awareness of the people in the world around you and this awareness is what makes transformation possible because as you become aware of yourself and your patterns your thoughts your emotions then you can see if you like them or not, and if you don't like them, if you don't like certain things about how you react, how you behave, how you make your relationships, then you can change them. So the first step in any change is to become aware of a problem, <laughs> so to mm-hmm. say. <laughs> um, transformation is possible because of this awareness, because of having this space, to reflect for a second before you act, and before you keep reproducing the same behaviors and the same patterns that you have, because most of us, when we're not very aware, we accumulate in certain ideas about ourselves, layers of identities, and and ways of doing things, ways of coping with stress, and we just kind of like run a little bit on autopilot, for the lack of better words. Yeah, and um, just. Yeah, well, sometimes we, we're we not aware of what we're doing. We're not aware that uh, it is um, what we're doing that has an influence on the way people react to us, <laughs> things yes.
1: like that. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for that. I, I really enjoyed your description, and, and I totally agree with you about the depth that there is in yoga practice, um, in the, the large practice of yoga. Um, in the way we live our lives, as we take yoga off the mat, and uh, it is a a um, never ending process, but with continual change, you know, one of continual change and continual transformation, um, as we see things, you know in our lives that we weren't aware of before, just like what you're describing. and then as we um, use the tools of yoga, you know to help and Uh, make the changes that we want, you know, when we see something that we want to change. And then yoga has all kinds of of helpful uh, tools that can uh, assist us in that. So uh, on your website, you say that most people come to yoga because something is is lacking. So would you say more about that? What has your experience been with your students?
2: Well, my own experience and the experience of seeing other people coming in contact with the system of course, has been that most of us start uh, off the place of not being whole. And when you're not whole, of course, something is lacking. And when you're whole, by definition, nothing is lacking because everything is, is already there. So in one of the definitions of yoga, I guess you could say that yoga is a system by which you reach a state, a continuous state of wholeness. Yes. Would you agree with me?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the most wonderful things about yoga is to realize that there is that wholeness, um, that exists and that we can, um, that we can come deeper and deeper into contact, you know, with that sense. I'm reminded of the, of the, uh, Vedic, um, I actually forget which of the Vedas this is from, but it's, um, um, this little um, quote all this is full all that is full when fullness comes from fullness fullness remains and to me that's just so healing on such a deep level you know to to realize this depth of wholeness that we can tap into
2: mm, for sure
1: so in talking about yoga as transformation, I would say it's, it's not really surprising that yoga transforms our, our physical bodies. And I know that yoga has you know been studied scientifically, and it's proven to increase our strength, our flexibility, our balance, as well as other things. So you know, what part have you seen in your teaching of yoga that this physical transformation you know, plays in people's um, desire to practice more?
2: Well, in the beginning, it definitely is one of the biggest hooks that keeps people on a path, (laughs) the physical body. (laughs) Very often, um, there is a certain wanting to achieve something like the next posture or whatever goal that you set out to do in terms of your physical body, in terms of your health. And It really helps you to, to get on the path and to practice in a disciplinary fashion, so hopefully as, as much as you can in your weekly routine. And Of course, when you see that you're increasing in your strengths and your flexibility and balance, it empowers you and it gives you the motivation to continue and see, okay, so what else could I do with this? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Another side of it is of course that the physical and the mental and emotional they're just really deeply intertwined so as you become stronger in your physical body you also become stronger in terms of your being and in your willpower and your determination as you become more flexible in your body you also become more flexible in your mind you you're able to hold more perspectives more different perspectives and and realize that there is no one way, there is no one set direction, that there are many possibilities. You become more flexible in navigating life. And balance, of course, is, <laughs> well, it's key to life. It's, it's all about balance, you could say, because you don't want to go in any of the extremes. You want to, as much as possible, create that sense of balance. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's great. So well said. So, yeah. Um, one of the ways that yoga transforms the body and emotions is by is by modulating or decreasing our our stress response. And I, I think um, my experience as a physician is, of course, you know, stress is playing this pretty huge role in most people's lives. You know that we live in a in a condition of more chronic stress, where you know, stress used to be, um, you know, when the stress response was developed, it used to be a very intermittent thing, where you'd be stressed out by you know, like a Um, you know, uh, some, you know, stressful situation that you were in. um, But then it would, you know, things would calm down, and you might not be stressed out again for, you know, days or even, you know, weeks. Um, But now it's, it's a daily, you know, it's something that happens to us every day. So um, what types of yoga practices have you noticed that particularly help with receiving with relieving stress?
2: I think the beauty of the yoga system is that it's so rich and so full and there are so many practices and tools in a toolbox that you can always pick the one that you need at any given moment and this can change. So it's it's really not possible to say which one that one practice that really helps the most. Because I think life is a constant flow and we change all the time as well and sometimes we need uh, like a really challenging physical yoga practice to help us relieve stress and at other times we really need like a yin yoga really soothing practice or just a different type of practice that is not so physical but more of mental character so like a breathing exercise or meditation so <laughs> having said that um sure there's certain practices that Help to relieve stress more than others. It's just about finding um, what type of person you are more, because really, some people they to in order to relax, they really need to work very, very hard, and then only then can they release.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And other people, uh, in order to relax, they really need to do something soothing and soft. Mm-hmm. So as you practice yoga and become more aware of who you are and what you need, you can usually fine at practice. But generally speaking, uh, just practicing yoga is always helpful, uh, and um, meditation, of course.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, well, yeah, that's that's at the top of my list as well. Um, one of the things that I'm, I'm always fascinated about is to talk with people and, and get them to be more aware of their breathing. And the reason I think it's so helpful is that uh, our breath is always with us, you know? And oftentimes when we are stressed, you know, our, our breathing patterns really alter and we, you know, start breathing very shallowly and very high in our chests. Um, So, you know, one of the things that, that people can do is, is just be more aware, like the little meditation that I led, you know, earlier in the show, um, be more aware of their breathing um, and that can help to ground us and center us, and and um, help you know with alleviating stress. Certainly, meditation. I think that's a you know great call. Meditation is is a really wonderful uh, tool, and can help us from not getting stressed out to begin with. I think so. Meditation is like a stress preventer for me as well. Do you experience that as well?
2: Mm, it's a little tricky because I would say that it's probably. Possible to get rid of stress completely. I think stress is a natural body response to just life and uh, You can live in many different circumstances from like, you know Living in the palace to living in a war zone or in a refugee camp You will always have something to stress about because that's just the nature of our mind <laughs>
1: Yes. Oh, no, that's really true. And I would I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't disagree with that at all Now what I was meaning though is is for me with my meditation practice. Uh, it opens up a space Um, between what is happening in my life and my response to it, you know?
2: Exactly, it's about Um, about, uh, managing your response to stress.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I find that uh, can be really helpful just in terms of, um, you know, minimizing the stress response. And with that, we've come to the break. You're listening to The Yoga Hour with our guest Anastasia Shevchenko, who's a yoga teacher in Berlin, Germany, and the founder and organizer of the Berlin Yoga Conference, which is coming up next May, May 24th to 26th, 2019. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yoga hour at unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and co-host of the Yoga Hour. When we come back from the break, we'll explore more about yoga and transformation.
0: Greetings, friends. I'm Jim Blake, CEO of Unity World Headquarters. From all of us at Unity Village, we wish you a joyous and blessed holiday season. May this time of year for you be filled with magic, miracles, and unending peace. Namaste. Unity Online Radio is bringing the message of unity to thousands of spiritual seekers around the world. If you enjoy our programming, we invite you to support it by visiting unityonlineradio.org and clicking on Donate Now. Help us continue to provide inspiring content to everyone. Thank you for your support.
1: Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Rev. Ogan Holder speaking at Unity on the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts on living an abundant life.
0: Examine your life. Whatever you may think is missing or lacking or you wish you had, realize that you are bearing false witness against your true self and speak words of abundance to it. Speak words of truth to it and to yourself and repeat them over and over again until you have brainwashed yourself into believing that you are divine. The moment you begin to think and speak, because if truly you are the embodiment of all that is, this is the only thing we got to get into our thick skulls. Living the abundant life is not about what we have. Living the abundant life is realizing that we have it all.
1: To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. The holiday season is a perfect time to reflect on the holy birth and the joy and jubilation its spiritual message brings. The welcome news is that the Christ's light shines brightly within and through each of us as life, love, and peace. At any time, we can experience a new and joyful awakening when we celebrate a Christmas of the heart. This is Elaine Meyer, editor of Daily Word magazine. On behalf of the editorial team, blessings and happy holidays from your friends in Daily Word.
0: Did you know Unity has published a new book by Eric Butterworth? This wonderful writer and teacher who is loved by so many people left a recorded class called Practical Metaphysics that has now been turned into a book. It's vintage Butterworth. He explains how to live from a deeper state of consciousness and awaken to health, love, prosperity, and peace of mind. Practical Metaphysics. Find it online by going to unity.org and click Shop. Find the truth within yourself that heals, reveals, guides, and transforms. Tune in to Rev. Galen McDowell every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms. Take a deep dive into the practical aspects of new thought teaching, starting with forgiveness, spiritual healing, prosperity, and more. Rev. McDowell welcomes some amazing guests, and topics can range from reincarnation to the Bible to science. Big plans to join the show here on UnityOnlineRadio.org.
1: Call now with your question or comment, 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, living the eternal way with your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Back to the yoga hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the show. And I'm here today with Anastasia Shevchenko, yoga teacher in Berlin, Germany. Her websites are Anna Shea yoga, It's anasheyoga.com and berlinyogaconference.org. So Anastasia, as you know, the seminal text of yoga, Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, outlines the three main practices of Kriya Yoga, which are self-study, self-discipline, and self-surrender. In my own life, these three practices have really been transformational. I love the practice of self-study because it applies to everything that we do. By being willing to notice our reactions to things as we pass through our day, we become more aware of our responses and then can work to to improve them, to change them if we we choose. And that can lead to tremendous transformation in our lives. So how have you experienced the practice of self-study? How how does it work in your life and how do you teach that to your students?
2: Self-study, it's one of those practices that of course never ends, you keep uncovering new things about yourself, about the people around you, about the world, how it works, by just experiencing life and reacting to it and becoming aware of your own reactions, as you said. So I think the key here is awareness, which you usually access through the practice of yoga, meditation and other techniques from the system. And another thing is, um, humility and honesty
0: <laughs> mm,
2: mm. also making space for it is really important so creating a, a daily or weekly ritual where you can come in contact with the self-study will come in contact with yourself because what. Usually happens uh, is that we try to run away from this part. <laughs> 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 we try to, inter- you know, entertain ourselves and create um, to fill in the gaps, create all kinds of um, action in in our daily moments, so that we don't come in contact with who we are. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. So it's really, it's really definitely very important to do this, and it takes a lot of uh, bravery as well.
1: Mm. Oh, that's great! You brought in you brought in honesty. You know, self honesty, and sometimes that one can really hurt. Ow! (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So what what we were talking about a bit on the break is is just the depth that this simple practice has of self study because you can apply it to everything, everything in your life. You know, all of the, you know, what you choose to do, what you choose not to do. Um, you know what, uh, you know the things that you um, are exposed to. You know what TV programs you watch, what books you read, uh, how you spend your time. I mean, it really you know is is endlessly um, applicable uh, and. As you said, it it does really help to have some kind of a reflective practice or a reflective part, you know, of your day or your week, um, which gives you a chance to, you know, to uh, think about it and uh, reflect on, you know, how the day went or the week went or what have you, and then, you know, being able to choose about um, how to practice the next of the of the three practices. So it's self study, and then we need self discipline um, to in order to. Um, make those changes, you know, the transformations that we've been talking about. So, how do you see the practice of self-discipline work in your life?
2: Self-discipline—it's a tricky one. You just <laughs> just have to do it because it's kind of like a chicken and the egg problem. It's something that grows by you doing it,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and, and you have to start somewhere by inducing some kind of discipline. <laughs> the key here is to. Maybe start small and humble. You can always break a monumental task into smaller, more manageable tasks. And um, as you succeed in the smaller tasks and building your discipline that way, then you can take it always the next level.
1: Yes, yes, clearly. Um, I think what's interesting about the word discipline is is um, is uh, people tend to have a negative reaction to it. You know, it's like, oh, do I want more discipline in my life? Um, but you can also look at it in a more positive way. And I know Yogacharya O'Brien always really teaches about um, it. It really is um, it's doing what we know we should do. You know, living for uh, the sake of our soul, living from that place um, that we can honor this oneness, which is the core of yoga, you know that that we are all one, as I was talking about in the meditation, um, you know we are all one and, and really living from that place, um, seeing how it applies and then then it can be light instead of heavy, right? It can be joyful uh, instead of restrictive um, because it's giving an expression to really who we are at at, at our root.
2: I agree with you completely. So I, I usually try to think of self discipline as a type of karma yoga, just things that have to be done, um, and you 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 try to detach from the results of what mm-hmm. it is that you're doing, and uh, just look at it as, okay, I'm I'm you know I live in a society, I live in a community. There are just certain things that need to be done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. So is that something that you, are these like self-study and self-discipline, is that something that you bring into your classes at all?
2: I do. I, I try to do it in a very subtle way. The type of teacher that I am, um, I usually try to empower my students and I, I try to convey an idea that they should tap into their own strengths and their own inner teacher rather than rely on, on on someone to tell them what to do, it really depends where the student is at. Once mm-hmm. I see that the student is ready, then I introduce the basic concepts. Mm-hmm. But of, of course, I think the art of teaching yoga is guiding people in a gentle way so that they kind of like naturally find out
0: mm-hmm. what it is
2: supposed to learn and think that that happened because of their own insight. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's another, that's another, you know, key I think of yoga practice is that it really does unfold from within really does. So the third, we talked about, um, self study, self discipline, and then the third practice that Patanjali outlines is self surrender. Um, so how does that work in your life and in, uh, in your classes with students?
2: It's a, I think it's probably the most difficult one on the path. I would, I would situate somewhere like closer to the acclimatic moment, you could say. And no wonder that it's one of the later um, restraints or niyamas. Mm -hmm. That potentially exposes surrender is a type of trust. It's a type of trust in life. I think that as you practice things where you put your trust into yourself and other people, you naturally develop it. Yeah. It's definitely a movement from like being very afraid of the world and trying to control everything, every single aspect of your life, and then just trusting. The natural unfolding process of of your life, and surrendering into it, and kind of just enjoying the ride. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think you you mentioned something earlier too that I think is really key. You know, which is in a way it's that detachment from the end result, right? So, you know, surrender doesn't mean that we don't do anything. It doesn't mean that we you know sit there like a bump on a log. Uh, to me, what it means is um, is really um, putting our utmost effort into things, but understanding that um, we may not control. in fact, we don't control everything. Um, and we need to accept that the end result, um, it may be different, you know, from what we had imagined, you know, in our heads. And we need to uh, cultivate that ability to Uh, Fully engage, but um, let go of outcomes, you know, release the outcomes.
2: Yes, definitely. Um, For about six years, I danced uh, Argentinian tango, which is a really beautiful, sensual dance from Buenos Aires. And um it takes two to tango, you know that saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you you need basically two people, and usually one is traditionally more of a leader, and the other one is traditionally more of a follower. But even when you are following, you are giving certain cues for the leader, and a, a good leader would learn how to follow as well. Mm. So I I guess that's a nice analogy for that process of surrendering. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's very that's very good. So we've already touched a little bit on meditation, but let's turn our attention back there. So to me, meditation is an essential practice for transformation. And of all of the yoga practice that I do in my own life, I think actually meditation is the most transformational. Um, I mentioned that there's a space for me that opens up when I have an active meditation practice. I don't get caught as easily or as fully in a reaction, kind of an automatic reaction to something that's happening in my life. I have a little bit more space to be able to choose how it is that I want to respond. Um, so the kind of meditation that Yogacharya O'Brien teaches, and that I think is promoted by yoga is super conscious meditation, going beyond all thought and that these little glimpses that we get of that in our meditation practice, um, again, are what can be truly transformational. So what has your experience been with incorporating meditation into your life and into your classes?
2: I think, um, when you start doing yoga, you don't naturally start with meditation. (laughs) It's very rare. So usually you start, um, with the postures, with some kind of exercises through the body and over time you have this natural longing developing for meditation and of course meditation is something that you can do you know sitting down with your eyes closed or even with your eyes open or you can try to do it in any activity in your life and I think that the formal practice of meditation uh, where you create space for it and and you practice it is kind of like um, a prerequisite for more awareness in your life. And um, it's just there to support a kind of meditative um, state um, throughout your day. Mm -hmm. That's the idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting to me that uh, I would agree with you that probably for most people practicing yoga um, in the United States, what they think of as yoga is just the, the physical postures of yoga. Um, would be surprised at the depth of the meditation tradition that really comes from yoga. So, you know, in all of Patanjali's yoga sutras, I think there's only two sutras that are about, you know, uh, posture. And really, everything else is really about um, meditation, and then how we live our lives. So how we bring our practice off the mat, it's very, very little focus on on the actual physical postures. And yet, at least here in the United States, you know, that's the most common practice is, is just the physical posture. So it's always interesting to me that in a yoga studio, you might, um you know, hear more references to like a, a Buddhist take on meditation, which is, you know, perfectly wonderful tradition. And yoga has a wonderful tradition of meditation as well. That is just not as well known.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, depends on the lineage. Some lineages try to make it more of a, uh, important practice and uh, but so sometimes yoga goes through some changes before it gets delivered and really mean, it really also depends on who teaches it yeah uh, obviously to teach meditation you need to have some kind of your own meditative practice and that means that you need to be at a certain point in your yoga path <laughs> yes
1: yeah so um Turning our attention to other tools that yoga has in its toolbox that are transformational. So yoga has ethical principles called the restraints or yamas and the observances or, or niyamas. And these are described in the in Patanjali's Yoga Sutras and are really essential practices. Um, the way we live our lives and the way we relate to other people, um, the way we relate to ourselves are really um such amazing tools, I think, for you know personal transformation. So, do you incorporate the teachings of the of the restraints and observances that yamas and niyamas into your classes? Uh, and if so, how do you do that?
2: I do um by teaching in a certain way and by being in a certain way, I guess, uh, encouraging certain things and discouraging others. Sometimes, of course, there are workshops that are dedicated specifically to this subject, and I really love to teach about yamas and yamas as well. It's such an important part, as as you mentioned, of the yoga system. It could be taught in many different ways. It could be taught as some kind of um, philosophy or theory behind yoga, um, or some kind of not commandments but rules um, for the successful ride. <laughs> for the for for just doing the yoga path in the right way, kind of. Mm -hmm. Or it could be taught as a a part of the practice, for instance, the asana practice. So you could really incorporate yamas and yamas into the way that you move and do your yoga class and into the way you treat your body and, yeah.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Yamas and yamas, yeah. Go ahead. Yamas and yamas are these um, rules that you follow in the beginning. But once you are at a certain point point in your life, you kind of like, aha, I get it. <laughs> now I understand yeah. why we're supposed to do this. Um, I, I like to think of them as not like strict rules, but rather, if you do this, it will really help you on your path. Like mm-hmm. it's it's just beneficial and more practical to follow them. <laughs>
1: yeah. So getting more specific, um, talking about the restraints or the yamas and listing them. So there's five. Um, harmlessness, which is probably the most um, well-known. Um, the, that's the, the principle that Gandhi really promoted, the, um, the nonviolence. Um, but harmlessness or, or kindness, so these are other ways of saying it. Truthfulness, um, non-stealing. Right use of our vital force and then the non-attachment that we were just talking about. So focus on these five principles is again important in how we build constructive relationships with others uh, and really allows us to bring our practice of yoga off the mat and into the world. And they enable us to live from the essential principle of yoga that we are all one. So obviously, we've only got a few minutes left. uh, Well, actually, maybe six or seven minutes, but um, we won't be able to discuss all the practices today. So let's start with just one. Which of the restraints would you say most stands out for you in your own practice and with your students?
2: So at the moment, I would definitely relate the most to non-attachment, and I think that it always changes, of course, it depends on the theme in your life, on, on the point in your life, what, what you need to kind of work through
0: mm-hmm. on your
2: spiritual path. And as I am doing a lot of Karma Yoga these days, working on the Vulin Yoga Conference, teaching others, I try to practice this specific uh, Yama as much as possible. So sometimes when you do something, the type of work that you offer to the world, um, you you feel passionate about it, and sometimes you feel sensitive if it's misunderstood or not as appreciated as, mm-hmm, yeah. as you think it should be. So um, practicing detachment is very important in those cases.
1: Oh yeah, no, I can I can totally see that, and then it can turn into a, a negative loop. You know, so you set you share it with someone, and then you get. Um, you get that kind of feedback, negative feedback, and then you're more hesitant to share about it in the future, which you need to keep doing because the Berlin yoga conference is just coming up. Right. So, um, you know, not being attached to, you know, to, um, the feedback that you get, you know, when it comes back, I mean, listening to it, I think that's always a really valuable, you know, thing to do, but not letting it prevent you, you know, from, from going out and, and, um, and, talking about it again, right? For sure. Yeah. So um, then, you know, turning to talk just briefly about the um, the observances or niyamas, which three of them we've talked about already. So the self-discipline, self-study, and self-surrender are one of, are, are three of the five. And the other two are the practices of contentment and purity. So how do you experience let's talk about contentment. Um, how do you experience contentment in relationship to your practice in your life?
2: Contentment is probably a sister of gratitude.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being Content with what you already are and what you have accomplished in life. That wouldn't stop you, of course, from, from trying to do things better and, um, creating more positive action but it's very important to stop for a moment and to be grateful for the good things that are already there so that yes. you keep uh, on going and uh, feel the inspiration and motivation to continue the good work
0: hmm mm-hmm.
1: yes absolutely I think it is related to gratitude I, I think you're absolutely right I also see, um, an interesting relationship with, um, complaint, (laughs) negative relationship with complaint, which we're all so good at as human beings. It's easy to complain about things, right. But to realize that, um, usually that's not very helpful, you know, and, uh, doesn't mean we can't see it. Um, and it certainly doesn't mean we can't work to improve, you know, things just You know, practicing contentment doesn't mean either of those things, but um, I think it's really a a, an interesting place to look. You know, in our lives about about um, um, you know if we're complaining about something, like what's that serving? (laughs) What's that? What what uh, what's getting better? You know, out of that complaint.
2: Well, sometimes it it could be helpful to just voice some negative um, things. The thing is, we're programmed to notice negative things more than neutral or positive things. And I guess uh, contentment could also be related to uh, the practice of acceptance um, Mm -hmm. and sometimes um, accepting that you're complaining. (laughs) 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 But but then doing something about it and not just talking about it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. No. Ex- exactly. Because I think that a lot of times, I mean, there. I think there's totally a wonderful place for trying to improve things. You know, by letting people know like what's wrong with the way things are cur- are currently. But there is also a a part of our complaining that doesn't really have that function. You know, we're just sort of complaining about things. We're not really trying to improve them. <laughs> we're,
2: yeah. we're just it's unloading. Like it's you know, choose not to do the the hard work, which is yeah. change things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And with that, um, this is our last couple of minutes of the show. So um, there's, we've talked a lot about how the practices of yoga are transformational. As we close, what, what words of encouragement or inspiration would you like to leave with our listeners?
2: I would like to say that we all know the truth that we are actually in the constant contact with our higher self and and with the spirit. It's just sometimes there is a lot of noise (laughs) and we don't uh, have such an awareness of it. But I think that everyone would agree with me that we all know what we should do and we shouldn't do. And sometimes Mm -hmm. we just don't have um, the strength or the energy to, to do what we ought to do or we have fears and insecurities. So my advice would be to practice some kind of discipline uh, that creates more awareness in your life and that empowers you. And it could be yoga, it could be meditation, it could be any other technique from the yoga system, or it could be any other mindfulness technique uh, or hobby. So do that and just keep going and do your best. That's as much as I wanted to share, really. No,
1: that's great. I think it's, it's yeah, do your best and, uh, you know, get get it out there in the world, what you're inspired to do. And with the things we've been talking about today with some, you know, non-attachment, you know, to the results with, uh, um, you know, being um, willing to be aware of ourselves and being willing to, being willing to improve And with that, we've come to the end of the show. You've been listening to The Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and co-host of the show. We've been discussing yoga as transformation. Our guest today has been Anastasia Shevchenko, a yoga teacher from Berlin, Germany, whose current project is creating and planning the Berlin Yoga Conference, which will happen May 24th to 26th, 2019. You can find out more about Anastasia at her website, Anasheyoga.com. It's A N A S H E Yoga.com, and you can find out more about the Berlin Yoga Conference at that website, BerlinYogaConference.org. So, thank you, Anastasia, for for this wonderful conversation. I really enjoyed getting to know you a bit.
2: Thank you so much. I I really enjoyed, um, and yeah, again, just really grateful for this opportunity to share my story and the insights.
1: Yeah. And best of luck with your work in Germany and with the upcoming conference. So during the next couple of weeks, the yoga hour will be on break. So please check out some prior episodes from our archive at unity.fm slash forward slash the yoga hour again, unity.fm slash the yoga hour. The yoga hour is a Service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, Meditation Center in the Kriya Yoga Tradition. CSE welcomes people from all backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization, a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. CSE World Headquarters is located in San Jose, California, where worship services, meditation instruction, and Kriya Yoga teachings and initiation are regularly offered. Teachings are offered globally through online programs, outreach, and publications. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes or Stitcher. And if you've enjoyed the program, maybe share it with a friend. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team regular host, founder and director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien, assistant producers Ann Hayes and Sean Smith, and Jeff Comfort and Louis Pagan in the sound booth at Unity.fm. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet.